You're listening to the Higher Ed Marketing Lab. I'm your host, Jarrett Smith. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketing Lab. I'm Jarrett Smith. Each episode, it's my job to engage with some of the brightest minds in higher education and the broader world of marketing to bring you actionable insights that you can use to level up your school's marketing and enrollment performance. In this episode, we'll be talking about financial aid leveraging, the common but sometimes controversial practice of using data-driven approaches to inform how schools award financial aid. Joining us in the conversation is Echo Delta data scientist and consultant, Dr. Jimmy Jung. As a higher ed veteran with over 20 years of experience, Jimmy has successfully led enrollment management at multiple institutions around the country and has consulted internationally in the areas of marketing, program evaluation, data analytics, and student success. We start by covering some of the basics of financial aid leveraging, what it is, how it works, and the kind of data that schools use to inform their financial aid models. Then we dig deeper into the impact of financial aid leveraging from improving net tuition revenue and controlling discount rates to showing how it can help schools uncover hidden insights about their institution and the students they hope to attract. We wrap up by talking about some of the criticisms of the practice, and we hear Jimmy's thoughts on the ethical and responsible use of financial aid leveraging. This was an interesting conversation full of essential information for anyone looking to understand more about financial aid leveraging. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Jimmy Jung. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Uh, Good to be here. Jimmy, I would love it if you could just start off by giving us a quick snapshot of your work and expertise in uh, higher ed and financial aid leveraging. Definitely will do, Jared. I spent the last 20 years working in higher education. And the first job I ever had was uh, as an analyst, uh, creating these financial aid leveraging models and looking at the impact that it had on institutions, driving, of course, uh, the revenue model up. Uh, and impacting students, allowing students to have a chance to go to uh, college because uh, financially leveraging gives additional aid to students. My passion began there. I saw the policy changes that financial leveraging can do to help students and institution. And um, now I've been doing it for 20 years for uh, many different institutions. Good deal. So for those who, who might not be familiar with the term financial aid leveraging, how do you define that? What do you mean when you say that? Financial aid leveraging is a pretty simple concept. Obviously, it gets a little bit more complicated in how an institution applies it. it is using institutional aid or financial aid strategies to impact enrollment and retention and attracting students. Any type of, uh, you know, something as simple as scholarship offer on the website is technically financial aid leveraging because you're trying to drive some type of student behavior. Mm -hmm. And I know it's interesting you kind of mentioned that because I know in the past you've told me everybody, in a sense, everybody has a financial aid leveraging strategy or they're doing it, whether they realize it or not. Kind of based on that definition, I see how you kind of get there. But when somebody's engaging in the practice kind of formally of financial aid leveraging and really trying to use that as a tool to shape a class, can you give me a, a sense of like what kinds of schools are using it? How is it actually done? And and I also want to preface that by saying I realize the practice has evolved over time and gotten 
increasingly more sophisticated. So I, I think I just bundled like three questions up in one for you. <laughs> I, I, I try to deconstruct it and uh, you know, okay, <laughs> thank you. Bring, bring me bring me back to uh, questions or pieces of it uh, that I I don't catch. Sure. I think the first part was uh, talking about uh, what type of schools should do it. The answer for that is many types of schools are doing it. I, I think the key difference, right, between let's say a scholarship strategy that is put out there versus financially leveraging, I think the key piece is, are you using data, right? A lot of times in the past, scholarship strategy uh, is based on, you know, what you hear from the market. Hey, students are asking for this. Or, hey, our competitors are doing it. Then the institution would choose to do it. Financial leveraging begins where you're looking at data, say, hey, is the scholarship having impact? Is there something the data tells us how to structure the scholarship so it has impact on, let's say, yield when uh, students are applying. I think that's the key point between coming up with a scholarship strategy versus the technical term financial aid leveraging, right? Mm -hmm. And I've seen financial aid leveraging used at all different types of schools, private, public, small, large, medium, public flagships. Once an institution realized that they have data and they can use this data to look at their aid strategy, they often continue to do so and allows the school to really think about and develop reports to track how students are responding to the financial aid offer or the scholarship uh, packages they're giving the students. Right. So what I, I take away from that is, is really it's about making data-driven decisions. So kind of digging into the data aspect for a minute. I mean, what kind of data are we talking about? And it's historical data. So how far back does it need to go? Let's tackle what type of data, uh, because every institution uh, in, in some way collects data. I mean, it's impossible not to nowadays, uh, because you have these sophisticated student information systems developed by Oracle, you know, Banner, Campus Solutions, just to name a couple. They're very good at collecting data. Data has become cheaper to collect over time. Storage has become cheaper. Processors are faster. Data analytics has become a thing in the last five years. So institutions are sitting on 10 of this. And institutions collect a lot of data. And the data that's used financially leveraging is no different than the data you use to track students for retention or track when not students are registering. So demographic data, the, the characteristics of students at your school is one big one. Mm-hmm. The admissions data, like you know what, which students came or did not come to your school, whether or not they put it in a deposit, whether they melt it, when they applied, when did a financial aid package get sent to them. And finally, you know, some financial aid data, whether or not they applied to the FAFSA, things like whether or not they were offered a scholarship, and the loans and the state aid and the federal aid they, they qualify for are all important data that a school could use for leveraging. Technically speaking, to go as far back as five to 10 years, depending on how stable you want to look and uh, answering bigger questions of like, you know, which academic program has been attracting students over time, right? Or looking at how effective the different changes in age strategy were over time. To start up, uh, you need at least uh, two to three years of data. One, mm-hmm. anything with data and trends, they're kind of uh, sometimes spurious, right? One year you're up maybe 5%, next year you're down 5%. So you want at least three years of data to, uh, you know, solidify any type of strategy you're putting up there, or at least look at whether or not there's drastic changes in trend. Because uh, if you're looking at just one or two years of data, the market can change that quickly, right? So you don't want to make big financial decisions on like one or two years worth of data. Yeah. So when you're thinking about the data that you're feeding into a financial aid leveraging model, how do you think about a year like we just had, right? 2020 is anomalous. (laughs) 2021 could be equally as anomalous 
How do you account for a year like that? How do you control for that so it doesn't just like wildly throw off your model or should it wildly throw off your model? I mean, how do you navigate that, I guess, is my question. Two thoughts. You're right. I mean, nothing like this has happened before, at least in sort of modern data tracking history. And the best way to go about it, and uh, me and my colleagues in higher education has been talking about this, like, hey, what kind of financial aid model, how do we offer this? Based on my experience and what people have been talking about this particular year is that your market doesn't necessarily shift drastically, even in a pandemic. The students who uh, knew about you still know about you. The students who want to come to you will come to you. You know, what we take a look at is maybe the economy, right? And higher education generally has a decent sense of how the economy's impact enrollment, right? One, the freshman students, the incoming students will be a little bit more price sensitive. You, you, you're going to have to guess that some, some things are happening where the income is lower. It's given. It's going to be lower. It's going to disproportionately impact folks, uh, parents and families, and they're going to be more price sensitive. Discussion becomes, do you provide more aid upfront to attract students? And then on the other end, the graduate end is that, you know, in times of economic downturn, uh, people are going to retool. Older students that are going to be game for a, a, a graduate degree, you know, who've been impacted negatively by this pandemic uh, will want to retool. And there are government yeah. programs that sort of support that. So you you expect an expansion of your graduate programs. Yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up there. I, I came across a little data point the other day saying law school applications and admissions had been, you know, were way up year over year. So a perfect example of exactly what you're talking about, people going back to retool in times like this. Is setting aside sort of the current immediate challenges that we're all facing and, and what does that mean for the models and the financial aid leveraging strategy, just in general, when schools are adopting financial aid leveraging for the first time, what are some of the more common sort of frequent challenges that they tend to encounter as they as they think about doing that? One of the most common one is, even though we've been collecting data in the student information system, getting the correct data out is always the longest. It's 90% of the work uh, when you first start uh, financially leveraging, taking out the right data, making sure the timing of the data is correct to so make sure you have the most accurate model and working with uh, financial aid and admissions offices to, to ask them those questions. Hey, does this really reflect your emissions uh, behavior of your students and the financial aid offers? Are they correct? Uh, is the timing right? Uh, th that's the biggest upfront challenge. The second piece is less of a technical piece. It's the sort of cultural campus cultural piece. Um, you know, uh, financial leveraging is not something that, you know, an institution goes into likely because there's investment, generally an investment of institutional funds. And, uh, you know, the senior level of the university uh, sort of need to be all on board. Like, hey, here's the risk. We're offering more aid. We're expecting this return. And this is the model it's built on. These are the assumptions uh, that we are, are creating this model for. So getting buy-in from the president, the CFO, and even the VP of marketing, it, it's going to be key in terms of a successful leveraging uh, strategy. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many different types of schools out there, and financial aid leveraging can be applied in, in so many different ways. I know historically, financial aid leveraging has been used by private schools. It's becoming a lot more common in the public's. Can you talk to me a little bit about how the leveraging strategy might change based on uh, some institutional characteristics? Uh, one of the, the most interesting part of financial leveraging and helping school, different schools developing financial leveraging strategy, especially for me, is that you never know what the data is going to show you. 
and doing it for over 20 years, there's no one sort of financial leveraging model that fits another one. Our schools are unique. The markets in which they are sort of placed are, are very unique, right? And the financial modeling shows that. The financial leveraging model shows that, right? Developing these models in the different types of schools, sometimes uh, the same program at one school is not going to yield as a good as academic program in another school for many reasons, mm-hmm. right? You might not leverage off the same programs. You might not leverage off the same characteristics. And certainly you have to think about the different rules that exist uh, in terms of leveraging strategy. Uh, I think you mentioned public mm-hmm. versus private. At a public institution, uh, the leveraging model is the same, but the things you have to keep in mind are, are particularly different. Uh, different states have different rules about how an institution can use its own aid uh, for financial aid got to be sensitive to that. And uh, of course, the the equity piece is the model built that uh, it gives everybody a fair chance at the aid with a certain characteristic, right? And of course, Mm -hmm. at a public institution, you have to be politically sensitive about offering aid to out-of-state and international students. Uh, These are some of the additional things to think about in private versus public. I want to go back to an interesting point that you made that the data is going to surface things that are unique to that institution that you did not expect. And I think that's one of the most, that is the value of any type of research that you're doing is surfacing something that you did not previously know, shining light on something. So when you surface these kinds of insights, I imagine that there are times where the institution is kind of confronted with a truth or a a reality that maybe they hadn't, hadn't thought of before. Can you talk to maybe some of those things that you've observed over the years, any surprising insights that maybe have come out from any any work that you've done with the school and kind of the sorts of things they've discovered along the way that were a little counterintuitive or unexpected? Uh, definitely. And I, I'll talk about my most recent example. And uh, this particular institution wanted to create a financial leveraging strategy to attract more freshman students. And in looking in that, we found out they're doing extremely well in attracting freshman students. No amount of money is going to change a financial aid leveraging strategy is going to change how they attract our freshman students, right? And that threw them for a loop. Instead, it, it was one of their graduate programs, which they thought was doing extremely well in terms of leveraging strategy that would have worked better if there's a change in financial aid strategy. For this institution, brought into context like benchmarking, right? They didn't think outside of the institution, you know, what is the standard historical yield for a public institution for their freshman class? When they took a look at that, they were like, hey, you know, this is a core strength. Uh, we're going to keep an eye on this and work on these graduate programs, which they could gain a larger market share or more revenue from. And that's something they never considered uh, just because they had this assumption that, and, and what they're hearing is, hey, let's work on the freshman class. That gave them more to think about. That gave them options to focus their institutional resource to something that will have a bigger impact. When we talk about leveraging, it's, it's obviously a very technical topic, but it's when you're engaging in that sort of initiative, ideally, you're going to have stakeholders from a lot of different areas around the school. You're going to have financial aid at the table, obviously, enrollment at the table, you're going to have your institutional leadership, marketing maybe at the table. As you engage in financial aid leveraging, does it have the potential to change the way those departments interact? Have you kind of seen it alter the way that those departments work together? Oh, absolutely. Best cases of uh, financial leveraging works when you get a lot of different departments working hand in hand. And of of course, the biggest two departments are emissions and financial aid. 
And, uh, you know, in traditional terms, admissions generally thinks it just does recruitment. Once you get the students to apply and admit it, we're handed off to financial aid. And financial aid offices think, hey, until they're admitted or deposited, I'm not going to think about giving them a financial aid offer. Leveraging works best when these two departments sort of collaborate with each other. Um, you know, hey, we're going to admit the students. They're going to get a financial aid offer. But then it goes back to admissions to maybe uh, engage with the students and ask them the questions. Hey, uh, did you get a financial aid offer? And uh, do you have any questions? And how do you feel about it? Right. To get the market sort of feedback. Right. Because uh, sometimes you make that phone call and it's like, hey, a, a different institution offered me more. And I love to come here, but your offer is less than this other institution. And you bring that feedback back to financial aid to see if there's anything additional. Uh, that they could do about it. That type of uh, financial aid leveraging allows for that uh, more market feedback if uh, emissions and financial aid you know, talk to each other. And one more piece, which is the insights that you bring back uh, when you're doing financial aid leveraging, uh, changes marketing, right? So at the institution I just gave an example for, freshmen, we're actually doing really well. We don't need additional uh, financial leveraging strategy there. It's the graduate programs. Marketing will switch the focus from freshman students, marketing freshman students, potential freshman students to these graduate programs. So that type mm -hmm. of feedback loop allows an institution to pivot their resources and allow different departments to really begin uh, communicating and working together to achieve the institutional goals. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting point, Jimmy. You know, it makes me think that especially so many schools are trying to be smarter and more data driven about how they approach marketing. This is a, an interesting source of information and insight. I'm wondering if you can dig in a little more on the sort of broader impact that financial aid leveraging can have, though. I, I mean, it's certainly an important tool for driving net revenue, but it's not only and exclusively about maximizing net tuition revenue. Is that right? Absolutely. And that's where I think uh, financial aid leveraging gets a bad rap. Yes, I, I think an outcome, uh, maybe the most important outcome, depending on who you're talking about, who you're talking with, is the net tuition revenue. It's a data process, right? With a lot of variables, essentially provides a market demand study. Uh, another way to look at it, it's a market demand study that allows you to put financial aid on top of it to shift the behavior of students, right? And the market piece cannot be discounted because that's where you get the insights. That's where you, an institution learns most about itself and its students it attracts, right? Like the topic we just talked about, how does it drive business process changes, right? Between departments, um, you know, those insights allows you to look at certain market segments and how they're doing. Right. Because a lot of times those are sometimes more important than the uh, financially leveraging part. Right. Here are things that we could change or focus on without investing a lot of money to yield students. Here are some processing changes. Do we, mm -hmm. you know, do we want to work on that first before we invest a lot of money into the leveraging part? And, and what doesn't get told is, you know, the, the times when you look at leveraging, you know, maybe the financial aid doesn't get applied yet. It's the marketing changes that come first uh, because you get very good data about how certain academic programs are doing. You get very good data about uh, whether or not you're attracting enough students uh, that you want to attract, right? So uh, definitely the process itself is worth going through because it's a market demand study. And then that market demand study then sort of flows into this, can that market be impacted by financial aid, right? Mm -hmm. If the answer is yes, the outcome is uh, net tuition revenue, right? So I do want to talk at least a little bit about some of the criticisms financial aid leveraging has received over the years, uh, 
you know, for instance, there are those that would say the practice can put certain groups of students at a disadvantage. It, it could ultimately hurt diversity and access. Obviously, that would run counter to the mission of so many schools. So how do you think about that? How do you help the schools you work with navigate those issues? That, that's a great question. Uh, a couple of thoughts on it. The first thought is financial leveraging is a tool. It's statistical analysis that tells uh, an institution more about itself. It's a way of self-reflection, if you will, if I wax philosophical. And will allow institutions to uh, really take a hard look at what students uh, are looking for in their institution. The results of it is a choice, right? And if anything, that's a tool, whether or not it's your iPhone or your car, you know, how you choose to use it is going to be key. Right. And, and financial leveraging is a big part of that. But the reason I fell in love with financial leveraging uh, as a driver uh, to benefit institutions and students at the first institution where I learned this is uh, the president of that institution took a look at the leveraging model and he said, Jimmy, how do we help inner city low income students? Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't look like our model is doing enough. And he made a choice. And it was the mission of that school to provide you know, opportunities for these students. He says, we need to invest more. Your model is telling us that we need to invest more. And he made a choice to do that. But that was only possible because the model showed that these students weren't benefiting as much as it should. So financial leveraging is a choice, an institutional choice. You know, if you don't think the model is telling you that it's gearing towards your mission, you can make these policy decisions to make it so it aligns with your mission. That's such a great point, Jimmy. What I hear you saying is the model is essentially values agnostic. It's a spreadsheet. It's a machine learning model. It's a whatever, you know, fancy software package you want to run on it. But at the end of the day, it's up to the humans running the model to decide how to use it and what they're going to optimize for. It it gives institution and uh, leadership choices, right? I think that's a very good thing in terms of, you know, planning, in terms of uh, making decisions about where your institution is headed and uh, whether or not you're aligning to your uh, uh, missions and values. Mm -hmm. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much for sharing all your experience and insights about financial aid leveraging over the years. Before we go, I'm wondering if you could just give any sort of parting advice for folks that might be listening to this and considering whether financial aid leveraging might be right for their school? Any any advice you might give them? Uh, well, if you're an institution that are looking to become more data-driven, to think about how financial aid is impacting your enrollment more deeply, potentially, right? From a data perspective, from a market perspective, then uh, doing the financial aid leveraging process is something that you want to do. It's a choice, right? First is a market domain study, taking a look at uh, your, your, which students are you attracting and how they, they are uh, choosing your institution, and then laying on the financial aid to see how that has impact, uh, your, you know, enrollment in the past, and they're potentially thinking about policies that you might want to change uh, looking into the future. So uh, I'm a big, obviously, I'm a big proponent of financial leveraging, especially for uh, institutions uh, taking a data-driven look at themselves, thinking about what we could do to help institutions and students enroll. Excellent. Thank you for your time today, Jimmy. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, Jared. Uh, Great to be talking to you about this topic. The Higher Ed Marketing Lab is produced by Echo Delta, a full-service enrollment marketing agency for colleges and universities of all sizes. To see some of the work we've done and how we've helped schools just like yours, visit echodelta.co. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. 
And as always, if you have a comment, question, suggestion, or episode idea, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at echodelta.co. 